This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Hello and welcome to the Blueprint Review Podcast. Episode thirty nine. Uh, it's been a while, hasn't it? It's been the, the far last one we long. did in, in, in uh, here is what July? No, July, April, April, April before Cannes. Yeah, that's fucking. Mental. In the last podcasts were in Cannes. Um, I think after Cannes we had a bit of a a lull. We just we have we been prepping and we've been rethinking about the show and thinking and relaunching it in this new amazing way. And that's all yeah. we've been doing for the last few months. No, no. Um, not really. We did kind of change it just before can. We well, we had a few little subtle changes. Uh, Time to backtrack then. Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, our one listener who's brought, who's remained. Uh, yeah, the one thing we did start to do briefly. Did we do it? For, I think we did it for a couple of weeks. Was rather than have the theme, we we're just going to pick one film that we've each seen uh, that isn't new at the cinemas or what have you. Just something older that we've seen. That just stands out. That we want just to talk anything about. that we want to talk yeah. about, basically. So we introduced that, got rid of the themes. Should we? Should we? Should we say who's here? Yeah, sorry, I'm, you can tell we're not doing it for a while. Although I was never. I was going to say, Dan, you've never been any good <laughs> expert presenter. <laughs> I started myself. This new voice to the podcast. Yeah, it's um, actually my third time on the podcast. Third, yeah. third, third. <laughs> that's embarrassing. <laughs> I can't say freeze. But yeah, um, that's Chris. <laughs> Yeah, you were. You were here on the first couple of podcasts, the very first. Yeah, the first. First, first two, I think. Yeah. Well, was you here when we started doing this? Thing? I was. I was, oh, I was here for the inception of... We were in the other office, office, I think. Yeah, yeah you moved since then. You hadn't been here that long. I can't remember. I was ages ago. I think, did Abby even come on that first Maybe. couple of episodes? Yeah. Yeah, those are days. So that's obviously Chris... I'm Darren. Dave always skips out. Yeah, I'm, I'm Dave. Obviously, and obviously, uh, but yeah, Lindsay, Lindsay, and Laura. And I can say it's been a, it's been, it's been a while. Lindsay, and Laura. We said there were two women, women on this show. We didn't really like their we viewpoints. Them, so. No, <laughs> but um, yeah, Lindsay's busy and Laura's busy. They're both busy, but hopefully we'll get them back on the show. We, We're busy, but we still yeah. time, find time to podcast. <laughs> yeah, but um, we'll, we'll still get a sort of. Lindsay's actually moved, hasn't she? Is she in Edinburgh now? Yeah, um, so, so she started. Lincoln deserted us for Belfast and now is in Edinburgh. Yeah, slowly so working our way back. Yeah, just to annoy us to make us have to Skype in uh, podcast. So today we were just all sat cozy around the sofa, which is a uh, which is nice. A new addition since the last podcast. Yeah, the office has changed as well. So it's Comfort been more comfortable. Yeah, but no video. one knew it. What are we doing? Is this a film podcast? Or is this well, just yeah. what we've been up to? We're trying to make, yeah. to make excuses why we haven't done a podcast. Nice before. office. Yeah. <laughs> Film posters surrounding the walls, Jaws, Star Wars, Fight Club, nice sofa, sweets, tea. Are we done? Yeah. Yeah, that'll do. It took four months to find this sofa. Is that what it, really? (laughs) Yeah. Bloody hell. I know, should have spent longer. Cool. Anyway, so, let's, let's, straight let's in. go straight in. Straight into trailers. Trailers, yeah, trailers and stuff we're looking forward to. I mean, we've had four one months. One each to pick is what some. we always say. One each. Dave never understands the, the meaning of the word one each. Uh, was, you have to pick one. So many interesting trailers. Okay, I'm going to pick one that's a little unusual. I did pick one basic one that everyone's, going to, that everyone's seen, that, so someone else might mention that. So instead, I'm going to mention. Uh, I saw a trailer yesterday. It was a Spanish dub trailer. That's the only one that's come out. For a film called Grand Piano, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. the trailer for that. Uh, it's playing. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's with Elijah Wood and uh, John Cusack, and 
it, it's it's a real it's one of these high concept thrillers and it sounds ridiculous. The idea of the film is basically like Elijah Wood must is this pianist and he must he is a penis, <laughs> but he and he must play the he's got to play the piano and he's got to play it. You can't make, without making any mistakes or he'll die. Basically, it's like it's like Speed meets Shine or something. It's, it looks ridiculous. Um, but saying that, I saw the trailer, knowing that it sounded ridiculous, and it kind of looks quite cool. It's uh, it's very stylish. Um, it just looks it look it looks exciting. It's it's nothing. It's obviously going to be pretty pre- preposterous, easy for me to say. Um, but it's got kind of like a Italian seventies giallo sort of thing going on. It might be because it was dubbed in Spanish, so it, it badly bad dubbing always makes me think of those films anyway. But. Uh, yeah, it kind of looks it kind of looks cool, even it's though it's very silly. It's got some very good reviews. Yeah. A lot of people sort of speak very highly of it. Um, for someone who hates Elijah Wood, which I do, how much of a problem does he look in the in the trailer? I mean, I don't have that. Is much he got one of those faces you want to smack in the trailer? <laughs> those he, stupid he, eyes. I, I don't. I don't. Mind you can't Elijah change Wood. his face for the film. Well, though, can I'm going to struggle with it. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. It, it looks. I mean, it, obviously, it was dubbed in Spanish, so it was a bit weird um, to get a full gauge on the on the film. But it looks kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't mind Elijah Wood. And after Maniac, I like Maniac, Maniac quite a lot, and uh, it's good to see him in some more little low key thrillers and things. So he's got to um, play the piano. What for ninety minutes? Well, on the in the trailer, he's not playing the piano that much. So I don't think he's just sat there all the time. It's not like a. It was one location sort of job. I, th- I imagine something goes wrong before or after, and I don't know. So he's not just sat there. Piano's out of tune. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a thriller. 90 minutes of retuning. <laughs> Although the tra- I'm sure the trailer looked like Your it was brother's calling me. Oh, what? Should we... Uh, Does he want to be part of the podcast? Are we going to ignore him or... Yeah. <laughs> We're ignoring him. Sorry, James. <laughs> anyway, how, what trailers have you guys seen? Anything exciting? I saw a... Trailer for Captain Phillips, oh, yeah. which opens with my favourite lines. You'll hate it, but based on a true story. <laughs> but I, I love a film based on a true story. We'll as you'll find out later. later. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a it's new film. It's Tom Hanks, uh, directed by Paul Greengrass, and it's based on the true story of um, a Somali pirate hijacking of a the, the one the one from a few years ago. The one that made the uh, the headlines in about two thousand and nine, I think. And, yeah, it looks really, really good. Um, I don't really know what else to think about it. It's just, it, it's, Tom Hanks looks, like, back to his best. He's kind of not been a bit of a tit as he usually is. Um, <laughs> but, no, no, he hasn't done much, fate. I had recently, Tom Hanks? No, he hasn't done Well, there's been a bit two at the moment. I mean, because, obviously, that's playing at London Film Festival now, and that, and also the um, Save Mrs. Mr. Banks where he's playing Walt Disney and he's meant to be amazing in that oh, but yeah. they're both really like opposite roles and he's got these two films that are you okay. know never know but um, so it might be it may be a good patch for him yeah. um, it's been picking up some great reviews at the festival actually really yeah it's meant reviews. to be it's getting well the thing is I don't know if you because if you say based on a true story that we may not like it but I don't know if you've seen Paul Green Paul Greengrass's other based on a true story film about the 9-11 flights Called United 93. Yes, I have. And it is phenomenal. Brilliant film. It is, it is good. A harrowing film. It is amazing. So, I mean, it's, stuff like that, pretty insane. It's really good. And he took a bit of a diversion from films like that, didn't he, for a little while? Yeah, because so, his first breakthrough was, um, I haven't actually seen it, but has anyone seen, um, oh, is it the what, Hillsborough one? Is it Hillsborough one? 
What was the film he did before? No, not Hill. No, not Hill. What not about? Hills, it's, uh, Bloody Sunday. That's it. Why did I think it was? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I did Bloody yeah, yeah. Sunday. It was supposed to be very good. I'm not. I'm not actually seen it myself. But don't know if any of you guys have. And then and so and then obviously kind of went a bit actiony, didn't he? For a little while, well, yeah. it's actually the Bourne film. Go, yeah. Um, well, so interesting to see what this is. Like. But this this reminds me very much of United '93. In terms of obviously not in terms of the. Co- the story, but in terms of when you watch the trailer, the sort of rawness of the sort of yeah. style, yeah, well, you know, is, is exactly what he did with sort of United Nations. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I, I'm very, I'm really really good. Um, for me, um, I've not been to the. I've been, been obviously I've been away for quite a lot of the summer and stuff like that. I've not been to the cinema. Cinema loads. I've not seen anything in the cinema, so I've sort of had a bit of a browse on what's coming out. And weirdly, a lot of stuff that's coming out are stuff that we saw at Cannes. Yeah. So there's, there's some trailers. We're like, oh, okay. So we've, we've chatted about these. Well, when those films actually come out, can we just like get those sound bits from the other ones and seamlessly insert them in and see if anybody knows? We could give it a go. I'll just repost the Cannes podcast. Yeah. Um, but. I am going to choose one that I, I saw. And I don't, I'm not necessarily particularly excited about it, but I'm very interested about it. It's a film called Cog. Cog, I heard of that. It's sort of it, American indie comedy, um, and it's Cog for Child of God. And it's about this guy who is comes from this really well-to-do middle-class family, and he goes to sort of the doldrums of society, and he works in a factory. And I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure why. In all honesty, I was sort of half watching the trailer, and so I don't know if it's a writer doing like a sort of a George Orwell-style sort of slumming it to kind of do some. I'm not quite sure the reason and why, but he ends up sort of going to the two-bit town and meeting these people, and he's you know they, they hate in, intellectuals. So there's loads of jokes about him talking about literature and art and using all these words that they don't understand and then being really common and common and scummy and him being a bit Ooh. so it's just sort of like real class and then obviously it seems to be that he slowly begin, begin, begins to love these sort of scummers and they like the toff from you know so that's the general conceit and it seems to be a very big religious theme like and and obviously people who know me I am very interested in the theme of religion and particularly well we won't go into it too much so I kind of liked his character because they're all very religious and he's sort of like shooting them down with all this logic damn that logic and uh, but weirdly it seems to go that he ends up getting involved mm. in the sort of but I probably won't like that side but anyway it seems quite interesting it's a sort of an interesting take it's a bit you know, it's a bit kind of contrived and sort of set up but it looks alright actually I was kind of like yeah I'd, I'd be interested in that cool um, yeah it's called Cog so yeah, so that awesome. was my trailer. That was the best trailer I saw, and I saw a lot of trailers yeah. today when I was doing some research. Uh, I would like to say that I'm quite looking forward to Gravity, but <laughs> look, you can't. How you can't say, yeah, there. Gravity. I cannot wait yeah. to see that film. I've, didn't you know about Gravity? Trailer bored me. Yeah, really? in all honesty, that's all I've seen of it. Everybody creamed over look, the trailer. I am look, kind of looking forward to seeing what it what it delivers, but the trailer was a bit like. Oh, yeah, I was I was the same. I wasn't I that it. impressed by it. A bit floaty. Yeah, people were like, "Oh, it's one shot," and I was just like, yeah, "But it's so CG. It was so artificial that I couldn't." Mm. Like Children of Men, it was so realistically done the kind of single shots, takes and stuff. But yeah. that was a bit like. Mm. I, 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 was, I, liked it I think, I think the they're being a bit too. Ooh, let's be a bit teasery. Let's let's not. Yeah. Give, let's just hold on, hold on, hold on a bit of a concept. Fine, but fine. I think as long as the film doesn't. Yeah. Do that. When when's it due out? Now. No, it's now. November in November. the UK. So I think we've probably got a um, better trailer to come. I reckon that was a. I reckon well, it's out in America now, isn't it? I reckon it's it an comes early out UK in trailer. A couple of weeks in America. Oh, it? so it's just played oh, at loads okay. of festivals. Oh, is that what it? I'm getting confused. But the reports are it is. Unbelievable! Like the best science fiction film. Yeah, 
It sounds like it's just really intense. More ever of a ride since two thousand and one or whatever. It's meant to be. Yeah, yeah it's meant. To... So let's see if it appeals to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a sci-fi fan, so. <laughs> oh really? Oh, okay. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I, in all honesty, I don't want to know. I because I just thought. I mean, when I first heard about it years ago, it was like, it's just Sandra Bullock floating around space for two hours, and it's like an art house space film, and I was like, not interested. If it was Sandra Bullock. When I was like obsessed with it as a teenager, yeah, I'd be bang up for that, like, watching them like float around space for a couple hours, but not anymore. Too many clothes. Yeah, yeah. too many. Uh, space suit doesn't really do too, much, too much botox, to be yeah. honest. Um, but um, but but I've, you know, but George Clooney's obviously kind of a big role in it, and I don't know if it's some kind of event horizon type film, whether there's any well, thriller or someone going. I don't know anything. People about have the said story. it's this big experience, it's really intense, and all this. So if she's just floating around, that doesn't make any sense. So there must be something else going exactly, on. Exactly, but I don't be. kind of want to know. I think they've got a good marketing department. Well, I mean, in terms yeah. of reviews, but yeah, I don't know. But yeah, yeah. Oh, but we'll see. We'll see. We will see. But that is good. Um, Can't so. touch a film by its trailer. No, although that's what gets people in. So, <laughs> but um. Yeah, so yeah, look, quite a lot to look forward to. I mean, there's obviously loads of stuff coming out now. Yeah. We're heading into the awards season, so yeah. more and more. And this is the kind of point where surprises happen as well, because yeah. stuff just comes out of nowhere and is up for ten awards or whatever, isn't it? So you know, we'll see. So that should be good. Um, so we'll go straight into what we've seen at the cinema. Yeah, um, I've seen three things at the cinema. I've seen two more recent ones. So what have you seen? Uh, Elysium and uh, Rush. So I've seen Elysium, you've seen Rush. I've seen Rush. Um, Shall I talk about Jurassic Park? We could We've do it. Exactly, yeah, exactly. But I just saw it in the cinema and I won't kind of dwell too much on it. I mean, I've not seen it for a long time. I saw it in an, in an IMAX. I never, obviously never saw it in an IMAX when it, it first 3D came out. Is it 3D as well? And I saw it in 3D. The 3D is actually very good. There's not much light loss, which I was surprised at. Um, and 3D IMAX is always a little bit better though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it was quite good actually. The 3D added to it really nicely sometimes it obviously had a couple of bits which didn't quite work and it's a bit jarring but on the whole pretty good the IMAX experience of it there was mm. fucking unbelievable it's, it's like if, if, I don't know if you can but try and see it because how many times are you going to see Jurassic Park in an IMAX mm. you're not many awesome. if not more, you know I mean and, and it's like you've got to do it it was an unbelievable experience um, I was just watching it it was just like it just reminded me of how good it is I mean, and not just as a summer, block book, summer blockbuster, which is, it kind of delivers on the spectacle on the blockbuster side, mm. but it is, it is an incredible film, mm. like from top to bottom, and it's, there's things that it does which are kind of b- quite bold and quite brave, and it absolutely pulls them off because it's got so much sort of, it does it with so much sort of bravado, I suppose, like, I mean, we'll just presume everyone's seen it, but like, I'm going to skip it straight to the end. And, but it's always one of those things where like things that bother me in films are like sort of like contrivances and there's a thing called Deus Ex Machina have you heard of that? where it means God from a machine and basically what it is it started off obviously in sort of like Greek plays is where it came from um, and what it, the, the, what it is is when a story is resolved from by God rather than by the characters okay and Aristotle who analysed plays thousands of years ago said he realised it was deeply unfulfilling because God very often used to come down and solve everyone's problems in the plays. And so he called it, and he called it God from a machine because the gods were usually wheeled on by some kind of construction in the kind of Greek times. Okay? okay. So a little bit of history here for you. So then it's called, he called it, so it's called Deus Ex Machina. When it's, uh, it's really unfulfilling in story when God solves the character's problems and the characters don't solve their own problems. And now that has been used 
greatly through all story and particularly film and it's called Deus Ex Machina when the characters don't solve their own problems somebody else something random external comes in at the end and goes bang like Shaun of the Dead when the army just turn up at the end or whatever and and Jurassic Park does exactly the same thing. After the big, terrifying, amazing raptor fight, raptor sort of hunt in the kitchen and stuff like that, they're all trapped, the raptors are there, they're there, and then all of a sudden, there's no, not, not even any thudding which they already established. The T-Rex just turns up out of the blue, kills the raptors, and they leg it. And that is pure days of machine. But you know what? You don't give a fuck. <laughs> because the film has absolutely earned the privilege and the right to do something as sort of <laughs> outlandish as yeah. that. Even has the banner coming But this is what I'm going to say. But this is why it is amazing. Because what happens is the T-Rex comes through, it's in the foyer, it destroys, you know, all the bones of the former T-Rex were there, the bones of the T-Rex, which advertised it. They're all smashed through, it's sat in exactly the same position, roaring, and then the banner slowly floats down in front of the image when dinosaurs ruled the earth. And it's just so... If, if you've got... Like, if Pete Bilbo was, like, telling someone that he's going to do that, you'd be like... What really? <laughs> That's ridiculous. But for some somehow the film is just bit. Uh, it's such a ride. It just the, the kind of intensity is so unbelievable that by the, by that point you're almost glad it's done it because it's so ridiculous and so big and you just think that it's just amazing. It's kind of genius in that. And I think part of that is the sort of another brave thing it does. Sort of. I'm talking about Jurassic Park in a really structural way. It's a really weird way of talking about film, but everyone knows it, so why not? Um, in that obviously, in terms of like film structure, the sort of like the sort of meat of the kicking off point needs to happen sort of like a third of the way through. You know, I mean, generally speaking, it needs to happen relatively early. Mm. But Jurassic Park does this thing where it holds off and it holds off and it holds off. And it, the first, it, nothing happens in terms of the big conflict. Doesn't happen to like an hour odd in it. <laughs> which is the Jurassic the T-Rex attack yeah. nothing happens before that it's pure exposition which is handled geniusly with the sort of them being on the ride and the kind of animation and it, there's loads of information it needs to give you so it's and it does that superbly and it just and it just it's pure setup for an hour and then it just goes, and then it's like, and it holds back, and it's almost that kind of tension of like pulling an elastic band, and it's got these warning moments, warning, you know something's going to go wrong, you know what's coming, and then it just holds back and holds back, and in a normal film, you'd be in the throw of it. That's the, you know what I mean? But this, it's brave enough to just go, you know what, we're going we're gonna to wait and wait and wait, and then when it goes, it doesn't stop. It's just, mm. poof, bang, and that's it. And that T-Rex attack, is, I genuinely think... It is the greatest action scene in cinema history. After watching it again, yeah. I was just like, that is, this is pretty unbelievable. <laughs> Everything about it. The fact that it's 20 years old mm. and the dinosaur still looks fucking unbelievable. 20 years 20 old. 20 years old. I, was yeah, thinking, I, I think I reckon it is the, the first blockbuster film I can ever remember. I'm a bit younger than mm. you guys, but... Yeah. It is. I think it's the first. So what's that? Ninety three. Yeah. So I'd have been six years old. Fuck, oh, really? I think I was too young to watch it. Yeah, because it's terrifying. It's terrifying. I can remember. I saw that at cinema. And as soon as I saw it, it was like my yeah. favorite film ever for like years. It was amazing. That's when the. That's when a summer blockbuster was a summer block. Yeah, we had, it was. It was. It, it, it held for the whole year, didn't yeah. it? It wasn't just a month in the. It was a yeah, event. It was Nothing the film of the year. I was saying that afterwards. I was like. They're just, not to sound like, you know, I hate people who, I don't think cinema's getting worse. I'm not one of those believers. But I did think, they don't make summer blockbusters really like that, do they? Not anymore. And it, there's too many films vying to be the summer blockbuster, yeah, where it's about that nothing was really it, threatening Jurassic yeah. Park in that, it wasn't, no, nothing it's was coming up to about that quality. It's just, 
And even the sort of depth of theme, it's, it's like I was saying at the beginning, it isn't just spectacle. It is. It's, it's the best spectacle. But the depth of theme, it, you know, kind of how it looks at the idea of greed um, in terms of the characters and how that kind of changes. Obviously, the nature-nurture thing, it's trite, it's obvious, but it is phenomenally done. That idea of, you know, kind of respect, you know, there's loads of, re- the kind yeah. of how it plants all these themes in terms of respect and the opening with a kid not respecting the, the, the kind of dinosaur and him talking about the raptor and the idea of evolution, obviously the literal evolution of the dinosaurs and the evolution of the characters. And, and there's just a couple of moments like the bit where obviously Grant hates children. It's, I think it's a bit, I think it's a bit simple, but again, it's done so well, you kind of don't care where he hates kids at the beginning and he kind of scares them with a little raptor thing and there's kids are there and he hates them being there and it all kicks off and then he's left with the two kids and he's looking after them and this is that bit where he's holding them both in the tree and he's got the, the kind of raptor claw and then and and they say to him what are you going to do now with this actual dinosaurs because obviously they he digs up dinosaurs as the job and he says i don't know i'll you know I'll just have to evolve. And it's really on the nose, but it's there as he's holding the kids and it's like mm. his cat, you know, and, and it's, but it's just done brilliantly and then he sort of, then he throws the sort of claw away and as a, like the symbol of it, of him throwing this history away and throwing what, you know, and it's, it, it's just brilliant. It's just brilliantly handled and that is just embedded. But I think anybody who's into screenwriting should study Jurassic Park because it is unbelievable. Like when, when, in, actually, I've not seen it for a while, but watch it, I was just, like fucking hell, this is unbelievable. Great film. I want to watch it now. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's so good. It is so good. Yeah, I would like to see it on the big screen. I saw on telly like I say not so long ago. It's probably still a couple of years ago, but um, but now it's not. It's been worried twenty years obviously since I've seen it in the cinema. Another thing, it's really funny, and it even even in that tense, even in that sort of twenty minute sequence of the T Rex attack and the car falling down the tree, and it's because there's loads to it. It's just littered with comedy how's it how's it how's the effects travelled in that time um, do they do they look bad do they, I mean, no. for the time they were amazing yeah I still think might they might have touched them up for the re-release. no I don't think they have no I think obviously there's two different types of effect in it there's obviously CG and then there's practical effects and they merged the two I couldn't I watched it with Laura she couldn't tell the she couldn't the, the obvious ones but generally speaking was she couldn't quite tell the difference I think it's pretty clear yeah. when they're using CG but saying that I think it's quite phenomenal yeah, yeah. I still think it's brilliant because yeah. I mean that has moved on leaps and bounds in 20 years yeah. so it just interests me how yeah. that I came think across because the last time I saw it I think the one of the scenes where it did look a bit cg was the when there's that big herd of the Gallim, Gallimimus yeah well, when yeah. The t- then T-Rex and then yeah some, some bits on that were a little bit like CG-ish. Yeah. But the T-Rex and the raptors and stuff like that are just, um, just yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's the way, obviously, the, the opening, the first time you see them when it's the kind of Brachiosaurus and stuff like that, they they, you can, they look a bit CG. I don't think they look bad. No, no. They, they don't, they don't yeah. put you off, but they clearly look CG. For me, it's the wides, but the kind, yeah. of, cl- kind of closer detail when they are mixing more practical in. But I think the T-Rex attack is pretty is majority practical Still anyway. Good. Yeah, and it look it it is great. It was it's like and that whole sequence as a whole, it was just like this is unreal. That twenty minutes, mm. and it's partly because they, you have just been waiting and waiting and waiting, and then it just goes awesome, cool. <laughs> so a current film, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we could talk about Elysium, which yeah. we're both seeing it, and it's been out a while, so we'll leave Rush for later because it's a bit newer. Um, give us a, like a rundown of what Elysium's about. Elysium, uh, right, I watched it for a long a while ago. Um, but yeah, Elysium is uh, it's Matt Damon. It's set in the future. 
Um, I don't really know how far it even says. Uh, and Matt Damon is... Actually, before I speak about Matt Damon, basically the world has been like... Uh, it's overpopulated and the world's gone to shit. So what's happened is the sort of rich and powerful have moved to a place called Elysium, which is like a sort of space station just floating around uh, out, just outside of Earth's atmosphere sort of thing. Um, and the, but the rest of the world are still kept on Earth, um, but it's just turned into a giant sort of slum. It's all, it, shows, it shows at the start these big skyscrapers all just rotten away and there's people just living like in the slums. It, it feels very much like a sort of uh, slum in like South America or something like that when it actually com- comes down to look at it. Um, yeah, and, and we go and we see uh, Matt, Matt Damon's character, um, who's living in slums? Uh, he's sort of. Uh, he was an orphan, um, and he's yeah, and he's he's basically ever since he was a kid, he's he's always wanted to go to Elysium. That's been his one sort of dream. So he's always been trying and trying to to, to sort of do this. Um, and we go from him being a kid to him being older, and we find out that over the years he's been he's been in a lot of trouble. He's and all this, uh, and he's been like robbing cars and all this sort of stuff. But he's trying he's trying to make a better life for himself now and he's working in this factory uh, what ends up happening is he uh, he gets this massive dose of radiation poisoning um, at the at the factory he gets locked in this soft chamber or whatever um, and basically he's going to die he's going to die in like five days or something like that a week something like that um, four days yeah four days and uh, basically the only way he can survive is to go to Elysium because in Elysium uh Pretty much everyone, by the by, looks of things, we'll get into this later. Um, has these has these sort of machines in the house that, that you just sit in them, and it looks like an, a mini MRI thing, and it and it just it cl- cleans your body of all any sort of injuries or illnesses or anything. It just totally fixes you. That it's ridiculous. Um, you well, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> Um, and you just press a button and he goes oh just repairs you so basically he wants to go to Elysium not only to fulfil his dream but now he's got a real reason to do it he has to go there or he's going to die um, so he goes to this dodgy mate of his who um, who uh, operates these sort of illegal trips to Elysium um, so again it's very much like the sort of American uh, sort of Mexico sort of boundary sort of uh, people sort of sneaking over um, he goes to his mate who does these and uh, his mate said he's willing to do it if he does him a favour and uh, takes on this uh, dodgy job, uh, which is basically involves... Say basically so much. It involves... Uh, what does he have to do? He has to, like, get the... Um, get the brain. Get the yeah, information from Get the information brain. from somebody's like brain. Like a digital download, maybe. Yeah, like a digital download. Get the information from somebody's brain and a guy from Elysium's brain um, and get that information. Who's also the boss. Yeah, he's name. the boss of the factory. Um Perchance. Yeah. So it goes on from there. He has to do that. And I won't give too much away. It goes on from there. Obviously. You've given pretty quite a lot away. Well, I don't know. I think that is, that is kind of the setup. I, know. I guess it goes through to about halfway. But um, <laughs> but yeah, but he, does, he, gets, he gets dosed with the radiation quite early on. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's basically it. And it's, it's, it's Neil Blomkamp. Blom, Blomkamp? No, yeah. and, um, the guy who did District 9. Um and it's kind of a similar thing in terms of it's obviously sort of you can tell from the description it's obviously sort of social commentary but mixed with sci-fi action uh, sort of thing so it's kind of a similar similar kind of film um, yeah and uh, it's a funny one Elysium it's one of these films where when I was watching it and, and may, I think maybe even more when I was thinking back over it was it's kind of quite flawed there's a there's a, there's a lot of sort of it's pretty rough around the edges it's, it's not a great film 
but at the same time I quite enjoyed it um, in terms of what's wrong with it, I think the message is is very blunt. Um, the same, with, but it was in District Nine as well. It's, it's pretty heavy-handed. That didn't bother me too much. I was kind of expecting that, and it was like okay, but at least it's saying something. So it didn't bother me that much. Um, some of the performances are a bit ropey. Some comedy sort of accents going on, like um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Jodie, Foster. Jodie Foster's accent is just. I don't even know why she's got an accent. They give her some sort of. What it is, South African accent or something, for no real reason. Um, and she just sounds ridiculous. Uh, Matt Damon's fine, he's, he's always always solid, but some of the other characters are a bit ropey. And um, it's just a bit hammy, and the, I just found the plot a bit silly. As I say, the fact that every house, is, as soon as they get onto this Elysium, every house has got these amazing machines that just fix you like that. And uh, I mean, fair enough, the future, they might have some crazy nanotechnology or whatever, but it seemed a little... You, you had to sort of... Uh, suspend disbelief quite a lot um, and it kind of relied on that there's a little too much too a few too many plot sort of strands that were relying on these machines and it just it just felt a bit much um, yeah but as I say other than that I kind of enjoyed it it's, it's, it's fast paced it's, uh, there's always a lot going on it's uh, the action scenes were over the top which I quite enjoyed and gory and violent I, I like I like it when uh, a blockbuster doesn't sort of hold back on the violence for me I, you know me I like a, I like a martial arts and action I like I like I like my action I like the fact that you talk to the, uh, the podcast like, like a mate you yeah. know me you know me you know me you can remember yeah one listener who uh, is randomly tuned in uh, but no um but yeah, uh, it's refreshingly violent. If that's the, if that's a, a positive point, um, the only thing I would say about the set pieces is that it's got this sort of shaky cam thing going on, and it's it just goes way too far. You can barely see what's going on. I was almost going to throw up. It was fucking throwing flying around that much. That annoyed me. Uh, but at the same time, I, I liked the idea of what was going on, some of these crazy guns they've got, and uh, one of the bad guys has got a sword, which is stupid, it's ridiculous, but it was, it, for the sort of teenager sort of action junkie in me, it was like, yeah, bring it on. You had a teenager in you? Yeah, it's... Well, what's the about, film? Yeah, it was in my, in my, in my popcorn. <laughs> but no, yeah. Uh, so, so, no, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's not a great film. It's, it's kind of a bit naff, a bit silly, but I had fun with it. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably quite similar, to be honest. I mean... It, it got absolutely slated, didn't it? I mean, I heard it was... Well, I didn't say slated. Well, I, maybe it was what, who I spoke to or what I read or whatever. I don't know. But I got the impression that it was really stupid. It was pretty shit. And so I went expecting the worst. And I watched it. And I was mildly entertained by it for a couple of hours. Um, but it is a pretty shit film. Yeah. It does... I mean... It's, it's just weird. I think there's two problems with it. It's just that... It is... He's very good at building worlds. Yeah. I think it's, he makes interesting-ish worlds. My problem with it is that it's exactly the same world as District 9. Yeah. It's just the same thing. So he, he does say something, but it's just exactly the same fucking thing he said last time. Yeah. So it's just like, okay, so that's a bit of a shame. So, he, so it's, it's nicely realised, but then, you know, we've been there, we've been there, he's been there. So, so, so it, 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 that kind of interest was, it didn't hold very long in t- terms of that. And like you said with those pods, the problem with it is, is just... 
for me, sci-fi needs to be really inventive. Yeah. And that's not inventive. It was really cheap and lazy. Yeah. It's just, it can do this and it can heal everybody perfectly 100% of the time. Whatever's wrong with them, they can fix them. Yeah. They're, even if they're dead, yeah. it can fix them. Um, as we, well, whatever. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. And, well, and that, it, was, that was ridiculous. But yeah. It was ridiculous. And so... It just made it... So it, it kind of made it dumb on, off, just on that alone because it's yeah. just like a better filmmaker or a better writer, he wrote and directed it, but w- w- would would have come up with something more interesting, been more inventive of using yeah. mod- using future technology or something like that, mm. but it didn't. It almost didn't care. It was almost like, nah, that's a plot point. I'm more interested in this social commentary. And it's like, fair enough, but you've told us that commentary before. Yeah. We all know that commentary anyway. You got away with District 9 because District 9 was a little bit more comic and it was a little bit more satirical. And there wasn't but, much like it around really. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but this, and that was inventive. That was a new idea. This is just, every, there's nothing in it that I've not seen before. Nothing. No. No, I can't think of one aspect of it. But it's just, you know, Matt, like you say, Matt Damon's always watchable, so... You know, this could have been the same film and it had a really shit actor in and it would have been unwatchable. Mm. But because he's always watchable, it's kind of like, yeah, okay, fair enough, it's a dual action film, he's watchable, it's all right. Um, But yeah, just very stupid. And like you, the action scenes didn't work for me because of the camera. I hate that style of... Mm. I mean, Bourne really kicked off that style, didn't it? Yeah. Um, When it first came out, it it kind of works. And and it can work, just done in the right way. It's just so excessive, that's the thing. It's like, I can't see what's going on. I don't know what's happening. And the camera, a lot of the time, it's shaking for no reason. Like, sometimes... Like we'll talk about Rush later, but there's some, some shots on Rush when it's stuck on the car and there's vibration going on. But if, if you stick a camera on a fucking race car, it's going to rubble around, so it kind of it works. But if you're just following someone, it's just like... It's like, why is it shaking? Is the cameraman fucking Parkinson's or something? It's just, it just doesn't yeah, make any sense. It is very irritating. Yeah. Although I find it more irritating on like sort of social realistic dramas and TV and stuff like yeah. that where the camera's moving around for and no reason I know, you're just thinking, like, even if it's handheld yeah. you, you, you can hold the camera steady yeah but um, but yeah so it's just really stupid very disappointing considering this is the follow up to District 9 yeah um but I think he needs to get a new writer. I think as a, an action sci-fi director he's, he's he's good. I think he just needs uh, he needs he needs to stop writing from himself. Because yeah. District 9 I like it but it's not perfect. Not perfect. No, no. I, I can remember being a little bit like yeah, up and down on it. But um, yeah, cool. Um, should we chat Rush? Yeah. What was the third film you saw? About time. Oh yeah. <laughs> should I save that for the end or? Yeah. Yeah. Go on. All right, you chat about Rush. I let Chris start. <laughs> nice one, well, Rush. Um, for me, I mean, I'm a massive F1 fan, so let's get that out of the way. Uh, let's set the scene. But uh, Rush follows the story of uh, the 1976 F1 season. And it follows the battle between um, McLaren driver um, James Hunt and Ferrari driver Nicky Lauda. And the kind of, the very dramatic sequence of events that led up to the um, the final race of the season. And um, the very well documented accident of um, Nicky Lauda that year, which no one thought he would ever survive. Um, film opens with kind of the history of how the two Oh, no, actually, I'm wrong. It opens with um, the start of the Japanese it's, race, or the doesn't it start German with the six one, the famous? It starts with one of the with the, back, the, yeah, the, start the of the one. with the start of the the German race, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 
which is the race that Nicky Lauda has his accident in, and then goes back to the first time that um, Lauda and Hunt met um, in their early days in Formula 3. So it goes back about four, five, six years, something like that, early 70s. Uh, and it follows, obviously, the relationship between two drivers. You know, from the from the off, they kind of get off on the wrong foot and they're, they're battling on track. And, you know, obviously, they both believe they're the best racing driver in the world, as all racing drivers do. And, uh, yeah, so it follows it from there. And then, then we jump forward into them getting race seats. Uh, Louder's the first to get a race seat. So then Hunt immediately, being the competitive, I don't need a race seat. So he, he almost kind of bullies his team into thinking right we need to be in F1 and they start off in F1 with him and um, goes from there and then forward again a few years into um, the 76 season when they both end up in kind of similar teams they can really fight for um, the championship and then I mean I don't really know whether to spoil the story I mean it's a well documented story yeah but um, it's quite a while ago I mean I didn't I didn't know long, I mean it's I before it's before. kind of before our time but um, obviously um Nicolada had a very famous accident where he was burnt very severely um, at the Nürburgring. It was the final race they ever had at that track because it was just a ridiculously dangerous track. Um, I think it was the last one they ever It was the last race they ever had there, yeah. Uh, and then they went to a, a much shorter track because it wasn't... Oh, but it's still at Yeah, Nürburgring, yeah, it's still up there, but it's, they've now got more of a... A normal track. That uh, I thought, I still, I still heard was, the track. Yeah, it was called the Green Hell. That's what it was, because uh, it's in the forest, so that's what it was always. It's notorious. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, opening, the opening sequence reminded me quite a, quite a bit of um, Grand Prix, which is a truly atrocious film, but one of the few F1 films that's ever been made in the past. Uh, and the opening sequence is, frankly, the only decent thing about it. Um but for me, the sound of that opening sequence in Rush is just absolutely stunning. It, it, it's the first time I've ever, I've ever heard like the sound of F1 recreated so well. The first time I ever heard an F1 car about when I went to a race about 10 years ago. And I just, when I heard that sound at Silverstone, like the hairs on my arms just went up and never went down. And I got the same feeling in the cinema. And that... That, for me, is something very difficult to achieve, that same kind of level of emotion for something. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I'm a fan, so I kinda, I, I'm going to get that more than other people are. But the soundtrack is absolutely stunning. The way they've captured it from, you know, the engine sound is just amazing. Um, so, yeah, it gets off on a good foot in that, in that respect for me. I, I loved the film. I really, really, really did. When I first... I mean, I've been... They've been branding this story around for about two years in kind of F1 circles. So I kind of got a little bit fed up of hearing about it. And in a way, I went in with fairly low expectations because the trailers all seemed a bit over glossy. And I thought, oh no, have they really captured this world? Are they going to make it look too kind of slick and too kind of play too much on James Hunt's kind of playboy lifestyle and kind of have the racing as a an, an add on, really? And I think they found the right balance, in my opinion. Um, <coughs> the the racing feels like it's still the heart of the film, and they haven't completely forgotten it, which I was really pleased they did. And the, some of the horrible, glossy look that seemed to come through from the trailer seemed to have been over-exaggerated in the trailer. So in the actual film, it felt a bit more raw, and that's what I really liked. Some of the sequences with the car, um, the race sequences 
which are relatively short, but I kind of like that, that they're kind of short and sharp and snappy and you don't, you don't need to see the whole race, you just need to get those key points. And I think they handle the race sequences really well. The, the camera's just in places that you didn't, God knows how they ever did it, but, you know, that you're right into the action. The camera swoops into, you know, front wishbones and engine manifolds and everything it's just you're all over that car and you do feel like you're attached to the car you're you feel like the driver because i mean the driver literally is just plonked on top of those cars in the 70s they they were almost sat just on the top and there's actually quite a there's a nice little subtle sequence that some people might miss but where they just get a basically a broom handle and they just put it over the the front of the car and to the roll hoop to the and the kind of front nose and if your head doesn't hit the broom pole, then it's safe. That was the kind of level of safety we're talking about. It's like, oh, well, it's okay, because if the car rolls over, then you're not going to hit your head. It's like, <laughs> mm, I'm not sure, because I think you fall out more than anything. But so it shows it, someone decapitated on one of the shots as well. That's what it looked oh, like. It's a bit of a mess, but I, it looked like Yeah, I mean, there were some nasty accidents in those days, and I think that, that really comes across um, in the race. You can see, really, you get the feeling that you're plonked on the car a bit like the driver is. And that, that's, that's what I got from those race sequences, that that was what, what they were trying to capture. And I think the, the, the famous accident with Nicky Lauda, um, there were some bits in it that they looked like they'd taken real race footage, but I don't think it was real race footage. I, I think still think it was a recreation, as well, as well but, could, it's, yeah. but done in kind of... There's some bits where like they're watching it, you sort of see it on the TV, don't you? I don't know yeah. if that was real or not. Yeah, sure. so I was a bit unsure about that, but I, I think that everything was recreated and they didn't use any of Nicky Lauda's accident footage, so that was all, that was all recreated. Um, I think I, I... I didn't read it properly. I should have actually clicked and read it, but I was looking at reviews for, for this and... Uh, I saw somebody, I thought it was most ridiculous. It sounded like they were complaining, complaining at the fact that it was, oh, they've just, they've just uh, recycled the, uh, uh, the original races, made it look like those. It's like, well, isn't that the point? Yeah, they, they, they've kind of <laughs> I didn't gone, read the review yeah, properly. So they, they've recreated the exact, you know, all the weather conditions, everything like that, and all the events that were happening. It yeah. is a true story. You've got to recreate those, and you've yeah. got to create the atmosphere. Otherwise, the story doesn't... Yeah. I think they've tried to it. take... I, think, I, I guess he was trying to say, like, like you were saying, it looks like they've made it even look like some of the original news footage. But again, I don't see that as a negative. No, <laughs> so, but anyway, that's some so, random yeah, um, sentence that I read. Thing, uh, yeah, things I didn't like quite so much about it. Um, and this is because they want to make an F1 film that appeals to the American audience. The American audiences can't stand F1 because they don't like, you know, F, um, American American motor racing is literally just going around in an oval. They don't do corners. They just want to go round and round in a long circle. And it is, I mean, you reckon you reckon F one's dull? You want to watch? You want to watch? You want to watch NASCAR? Oh, I've not watched because NASCAR, there's nothing like watching a race where you cut to an advert break from a sponsor. Uh-huh. Like this car is sponsored by Vortex Oil, and you literally you cut to it in the middle of a race, and it's, I, it's the most ridiculous monstrosity of sport. I, I'm kind of like I like the even trashier. Racing. The, the sort of racing I used to like as a kid was that uh, I used to watch Monster um, Trucks. Yes, yeah, shit like Monster <laughs> Trucks, stock car racing. Rally I fucking cross. love stock car racing. I used to That's fun time. racing though. And, that uh, is good. Speedway as well. I had a friend of mine who loved Speedway. Welcome to the Motor that. Speedway. I fucking used to love Speedway on the bikes, but um, that was because it was more dangerous than it. Yeah, well, imagine yeah. F1 was dangerous. NASCAR's, but that's what they're going for. Yeah. So they, they, they're never going to really get the F1. But because of that, they've gone 
exposition crazy with your favourite race commentator and it's all you just get these random sequences in the paddock and it's that kind of BBC voice of the 70s we're here at uh, Brands Hatch and it's really hotting up in the 1976 season here today Nicky Lauda and James Hunt they're really fighting it out for the race the race you've just seen previously you do not it's just not needed everything is handled perfectly well in I mean, the race sequences, the script, it's just been added in and it needed to be taken out for the British audiences. The Americans will probably lap it up, but mm. I think the European audiences, we don't need it. It was just an irritation. Yeah. I mean, it, does, it doesn't make or break the film, but it, it just n- niggled me because we're not done. We know what's happened. I think it's only just coming out in the US maybe this yeah. weekend. So it'll be interesting to see how they, how they react. take yeah. it because the, the press in the UK has been really good for it. It's, it's done pretty well. Um, but it'd be interesting because, yeah, as you say, they don't really watch F1 in yeah. America. So, and in terms of rattling through the the 1976 season, they you know, they they do a really good job of it, and they 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 cover, they cover a race in five ten seconds, and they they do some nice work with the the graphics, and they just bring it in, and they give you the results, and you get a running kind of table of who's winning what in the season because. They kind of yeah. fight. They, it's, I guess you know, F one the long run. Yeah, is it's tit for tat. Yeah. So you you kind of know where you stand at the key races where one of them wins or one of them gets disqualified. So you understand it. You don't you don't need that that um, that commentary. Um, again, the characters. I mean, they are. It feels like I, a lot of people said that the Jameson character is is over the top. But that is what he was like. And in anything, it, it's kind of underplayed him. He really was. He did say those things. He did He did act like that. I was going to say, some of the interview comments and things, like, I'd be interested to see some interviews of the real guy. There's a documentary on the BBC the other night, but yeah. I, I missed it. And he, but he is like that. And in any way, Louder was more like Hunt than they've portrayed. He... He was a bit of a party guy and things like that, but on the track, he was how he's represented in this. He's very methodical. He's very. Yeah. He's, there's a scene in the film where he he gets a Ferrari drive and then he he forces his. his yeah, I'm going to have these these mechanics myself. I want my own set of mechanics, and they're going to build this car for me. Mm. I'm going to prove that this car, you know, is faster than you've made it. And he complains, and you know, the team hate him, but he gets the car quicker mm. because he is. Mechanically, he he can get the best out of the car, um, so they, they get that side of him. But it, it, I don't think it's fair a fair portrayal of his real character. Yeah, and I think it, they do make him to be a little too cold and a little too like exactly. stereotypical German like efficiency sort of yeah. thing. It's, it, it's a and bit there like, is a lot oh, of that to him. But and uh, some of the kind of the scenes off the track, and there isn't a lot of them with Lauda, but. Um, the scenes where he, he meets a, a girlfriend at a party in Italy and things like that, you do see a slightly different side to him and you see how the, the public adored him in Italy. Any, any driver for Ferrari in Italy is a god. Um, and you did get... A, there was a bit more humanity to him and particularly after his accident, yeah, you do, the you end, do see you know, the real, the real the person. Some of the some of the sequences in the hospital. I mean, the the, the injuries he suffered. Oh, were, the bit, there's were one bit that I couldn't watch. There's, there's a section. I watched it with my brother, and he was just like curling up in 
in agony next to me watching this film. With the, the um, oh. it's the it's the lung Hoover. Yeah. Um, oh. Now time to have your lung vacuum. Um, and that was it is horrific. absolutely horrific. Um, but it really does show, you know, the extent of his injuries and how he came back. And it, you need those scenes in it because it's about his de- absolute determination to come back and fight. Basically, his enemy. Yeah. Hunt is his enemy, and he does not want to lose. Yeah, the film is about lose. their sort of yeah, and it's this battle, rivals. and it. I think it. I think it handles handles it superbly. Well, <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't jumped in yet, but I, I I'm the complete opposite on this film. I, I came in, and the reviews have been incredible for it. And Chris had already seen it, and he was raving about it, so I was so excited, <laughs> and I I really did like it. It's it's not. I mean, it's. I mean, talking, like, listening to you talk about it, it's like I, I can agree on a lot of the comments. I think technically there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, the race scenes were very well shot, um, but I'll get into them a little bit later, though. And, uh, like, the performance and stuff was, was solid and things, but it just, just on a sort of an emotional level and stuff, it just never, never sort of grabbed hold of me, and and I just kind of just lost it through the whole film. Um, in terms of what some of the reasons for it, I think... Um, one of the biggest reasons was, I think, the writing. I think the writing is quite poor. And for one, it was just... it was When we were talking about Elysium being heavy-handed, this, again, was very heavy-handed. And, but more in terms of um, it not being, like, massive... It wasn't massively sentimental or sappy or anything like that, but it's more like some of the symbolism in, in there, which maybe not just the writing, I guess, it might be the direction as well. But but things like that, we talked about the, um, the vacuum, the lung vacuum scene. I mean, that was brutal to watch. But, like, during the lung... He's, he's having his lung vacuum, this horrific sort of activity, and he's got the fucking telly on watching the Formula One at the same time. It's like, no, why are you doing this? It's just... It just wouldn't happen. It just... Loads of things like that are just so overly blunt and like because it's obviously showing oh yeah watching Hunt like win, winning his races is making him want to be uh, wanting to be better and okay that idea fair enough but doing showing it like that it was just a bit like oh really and there's like dodgy sort of like metaphors like James Hunt's just shagged some hot girl like he usually is doing and then uh, it'll cut to the close up of the pistons going in the engine and all this and it's just a bit like oh I don't know. I just found it a bit cringeworthy. Worthy some some of the sort of some of the sort of metaphors, some of the symbolism, and things like that. Did it um, match cut them? Uh, no, not quite. It wasn't. Oh, it wasn't quite as a. It wasn't quite that bad. But um, yeah, just bits. Like, I just it kind of just annoyed me bits like that. Um, and I think as well. I mean, I was also I was quite excited about the race scenes. I, I do love a good car chase. I quite like any sort of films with. Um, films with any sort of racing car chasing I'm usually up for that um, and again like I say technically they were they were brilliant I mean I loved the way they were shot and, and, and presented but again just there was just they just didn't grab me I think as we say they were most of the races are quite short quite brief and I think that was it, it was always left me wanting more it was like oh is that it and I was like I want to see the fucking race I want to see some battling and, and it just didn't really happen and then the, the finale I, mean, I don't want to spoil anything but and, and then the finale because of what sort of happens in that was just like a real disappointment as well I mean I, I didn't actually really yeah, know don't ruin it. I didn't know the story so I didn't know what to expect so I was expecting yeah this massive fin- awesome sort of racing finale and it was a bit like oh Really? And it, it, cause it's you see, ca- I, I got more out of that final oh. race because for me it was it was like I I didn't know the details of that final race, yeah. and for me it was 
you know, he, he comes in, he gets new tyre that you do not know. It was built up really nicely. It was built really nicely. But and then it ends with a monk, and it's like, you oh. see him, <laughs> You do see him battle up, but probably just the very the very ending, maybe. You may be right yeah. with that. It but, I mean, that's what happened. I mean, you can't yeah. really... But at the same time, I don't know, maybe it could have been presented a little better, but... But because I think that is a problem. I think it was built up so well that final race, and it's yeah. the rain and everything like that. And, and again, the way it's shot looks it looks really atmospheric. And and then it was just like, <laughs> but um, so that kind of kind of bugged me. I think me. that is largely also due to the fact that in in reality, yeah, the race almost ended like that. It yeah, was yeah. a it was a case of the race ended and nobody knew the result. Yeah. And I think I think that's I think that's another thing with the film. I guess the, the film is really more about the characters. I think I expected more like a, a bit of a slightly trashy Days of Thunder race movie, but really it is more about them and, and their rivalry an and stuff. And <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I I also love sort of dramas and subtle dramas and things like that. But I, I, I keep them very separate. I think I think. If something's going to be a, dra- a character drama, then I'm like, yeah, just focus on that. Keep it simple. Keep it beautiful. But if it's going to be like a big, big sort of, and it's not really not, not an action film, but if it's going to be big and full of spectacle, I kind of want the big and spectacle. I, I don't want it to ass around somewhere in between too much unless it can really pull it off. And yeah, I don't know. And, and again, I think the other thing for me, because again, it's not technically other than the script that I thought was pretty poor. I think, um, in general, like the story and the performances were quite strong, and it was just it just didn't get me. I think another reason it didn't get me was was bizarrely something that I like in concept, and that is the idea of because it's all about the films about their rivalry. Um, it, 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 so it, it kind of follows both the characters fairly evenly, although it kind of leans towards louder maybe in the in the last half. But um, then again, it's, it is it is leaned towards Hunt at the beginning as well. Yeah, yeah. So I think overall it's very So well I, I like the balance. I like the idea of balancing the two characters. It makes it a bit more unique because I, I hate sort of sports movies, cheesy sports movies where it's just underdog, let's follow this guy coming from the streets and he's going to win. Instead, it's more about two sportsmen that are the top of the game and they're, they're sort of rivalry. I like that idea. But at the same time, because it's jumping between them, I never got that involved with either of them. And as well, like we said before, the characters aren't particularly like well, they're both dickheads, oh, no, really. You, yeah, you, you wouldn't want to spend I mean, time uh, with either of uh, them. Yeah, I mean, at times, they, they do have moments where they, they come through and Hunt can be quite nice sometimes and, again, louder warms up towards the end. But because they were kind of knobs through most of the film, I didn't never attach to them. So throughout the film, I just kind of like got quite disengaged. And I was like, I don't give a shit who wins this. And I don't really care. And and again, it just lost me. So it's, it's more like, uh, I mean, I say this a lot with films. It's It really needs to just, I need that attachment. And it just didn't really happen for me. Whereas on the surface, it was a solid film, but it just it, it just totally lost me. And I, I just, it just kind of annoyed me. It's one of those films that just bugged me when I was watching it. Um, so I just, I just kind of lost lost it uh yeah didn't do it for me i'm afraid fair enough oh, yeah. one all <laughs> shame i didn't see it i was gonna watch it i was gonna i wanted to watch that yeah and instead perfect segue i wanted to watch it about time which is what i will chat about but you'll be able to guess what i think of about time but i really really wish i watched rush <laughs> that would have been an interesting yeah. sort of I could have decided interestingly I was just going to make a comment about Senna because you're a big fan of Senna aren't you yeah no, I'm sorry. and you're not neither of you are F1 fans no, for me really, Senna was if I compare I, know, I can't really compare Rush and Senna particularly well because one's a very solid documentary and the other is a is a drama but they're, they're based on two ridiculously famous events within mm. F1 for me, Senna 
it was more just about him as a person. You didn't get particularly involved with... Prost a bit. There is a bit of Prost, but the general kind of F1, the feel of F1 at that time. Whereas Rush, I think, is more about the sport and all the teams and how people get to where they are. Whereas Senna didn't... I didn't get that quite But, but maybe that's why we prefer Senna. Yeah. Because we don't like yeah. F1, we're yeah. focused on this character. We're focused on the character. He was a very deep, deep yeah. character and a very yeah, interesting a fascinating character. Per- fascinating person. So, whereas for me, Senna, I, I really enjoyed Senna, but it, it didn't show kind of that world that I, yeah. I know a little bit better quite as well as it should yeah. and for me Rush really showed <coughs> showed how people get to sport the team owners the mechanics just how they all work together and how it's so brutal and and harsh and the, everybody just hates each other people teammates are, are, you know sabotaging each other and you know the the lies and the kind of the almost the cheating involved in getting to the top mm. and I didn't I just didn't quite get that so much from Senna. But maybe that's why, because Senna obviously crossed the pond, so to speak, really yeah. well. And that's maybe really we'll well. see how Rush does, but maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's like, F, maybe Rush caters slightly more towards F1 fans. Yeah. And, and I do, I do hope that, that the American audience can kind of, well, engage with it a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully it's the start of people not being quite so scared to make F1 films. I don't want a, don't a so. load of F1 films. But <laughs> I do think, I do think with Senna and now this, it's, it's a resurgence. It's had, well, it's, not had a, resurgence. it's had a largely, you know, because it's just been a dead area of films, sports movies, everything's about baseball and yeah. blah, blah, blah. we got loads of that. And we, I think there's, there's so many great stories that can be told. And do you think there's a reason why there's not many F1 films? I don't think anyone's been. <laughs> well, I don't well, think anyone's is, been brave enough to tell them. Well, and actually, it, it is because Hollywood, obviously, a most huge number, volume of films you see are from Hollywood, and, and America don't, don't like F one. Like so F1. it's just that is the main reason it's got but to be really. In, in terms of in terms of the stories that are out there that that could be told on and off the track, to be honest, there is there are probably two or three really great stories that can be told, and you know, there's 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 stories from 2008 season that would make amazing. Um, stories but they're going to be 30, 40 years down the line you need that space between you don't want to be watching a film about, that way drivers are, that are in the film are, are still driving today you need that you need that space and I think I think that's what I like about it it was a time before F1 that I knew and a lot of time a lot of times passed and you really felt like it was time to kind of go back in there and explore yeah. that story well you're not alone I mean most people seem to love it I, I, I was I was yeah I'm one of the few people who just didn't didn't like it didn't get it yeah just just didn't do it for me we await Darren's opinion yeah. mm. but instead you watch yeah about time, time. you silly silly boy oh god silly silly man um, about time Richard Curtis what happened to Richard Curtis? He yeah, made, I used to love him. He did Blackadder. Yeah, the TV stuff he did was great. Yeah. And, uh, I say Ben Elton was clearly the genius because obviously Richard Curtis did the Although first he's gone a bit shit recently. Oh, do you know what? Crap. I can't stand Ben Elton. I don't mind his writing, but him as a person. As a person. <laughs> oh, he just really irritates me on screen. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, Richard Curtis. Did anyone see Boat at Rocks? No, I didn't, I didn't see that. It was his last really film, wasn't bad, it? Yeah. I really didn't want yeah. to watch that. But Love Actually is one of my favourite films. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I, have to watch, film. I have to watch Love Actually. Especially yeah, if I say what it's America, my Christmas it's film. It's my Christmas film. Oh. <laughs> Forget <laughs> Elf that everyone else watches. <laughs> no, it's so flat as well. Yeah. No, no, I remember Before Christmas. <laughs> it's I, a wonderful life. <laughs> anyway, 
Yeah, Richard. Whatever. Anyway, I'm not. I'm, he's, he's, he's obviously renowned for being overly sentimental. But um, so about time. The general concept is, and I actually think the concept is interesting. <clears throat> the concept made me want to watch it. It made me more interested. If it was just another love, actually, or four weddings or whatever, I would have been like, no, we're watching Rush. But the concept. It, it sounded quite interesting because it's quite simple um, it's this family um, I can't remember who plays the the son the son is he looks like the the new kid the who's guys. he looks like the ginger kid from Harry Potter but with the voice of Hugh Grant is how I can what he is exactly what a combination like. yeah exactly um and oh god, the guy, my brain's gone. It's too late. Long day. Who's the who's his dad? The guy who's in which Bill Knight. Bill Knight. Yeah. Um, and it, the concept is Bill Knight tells the kid that every man in their family can travel through time. I'm kind of interested in that. Some kind of Richard Curtis world, this sort of heightened upper class reality. Um, where the people can travel through time, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm up for that. So we went to watch it, and that you know that, that is the story. And it starts off, and as a teenager, and he's struggles with ladies, and on his 21st birthday, he gets told that he, all the men can travel through time. The rules aren't very clearly explained. Just that straight away, he gets told that all you need to do is go in a dark room, just clench your fists, and think about where you want to be, and you'll travel there. Do the same, and you'll travel back. Okay, whatever. It's a bit silly, a bit stupid, but that's what they do. Um, and the kid ends up getting married, he ends up having kids, and it goes through life. And I mean, I don't know what, how much I can give away, because it happens surprisingly late in the film, but I knew about it, because I thought everyone knew that's what the film was about. So then, what do you think the film's about? What's the big plot point in the film? Do you guys know? I don't know. I, I'm going to guess his dad dies. Yeah. Is that the main no, that plot it, point? Well, no. There isn't really a plot point. Okay. Nothing happens. Um, but yeah. But that was quite late in the film. I was a bit surprised. A bit like, uh, I thought this is what the film was about. I thought the film was about, about his dad time. dies. And, well, yeah. And him travelling back and reliving memories or whatever to get. But it isn't. I mean, ultimately, nothing really happens in the film. I mean, I have a lot of problems with the film. Um... The rules of time travel are complete bollocks and inconsistent and it changes it, which in any other film would aggravate me because I hate that. For me, one of the most important things you need to do in a film is you create the rules of your film and the rules of your world and you fucking stick to them. That is, if you don't, that is it's the worst thing you can do. And I will never ever forgive a film that does that. I just can't because it's so simple. Um, and this film doesn't do that. It doesn't stick to them. But I didn't care. Because that is the least of its fucking problems. <laughs> the fact that it changes the rules like the fact that he, he, te- he, te- he takes his sister back and when they go back and they've changed history and she's like oh my god and she's remembering all these new memories in her head oh my god I'm going out with this guy now oh my god and she remembers that and then he at exactly the same moment doesn't realise that his whole life has changed he's like hang on a minute how come she knew everything because she's got the memories but you don't whatever the fact that he does that I don't care because the film is just utterly dull that it's so preposterous and caricatured and it is just these horrible upper class wankers which he always writes about and I'm obviously a working class person I fucking hate working you know upper class wankers yeah. and I don't want to watch working class wankers I want to watch working class wankers and it's just like so I hate the characters and the comedy's awful it's like what happened to his the wit of Blackadder and it's just like I don't want to say what I'm watching but it's like there's no conflict in the story so he gets married and has these children but there's, there's never any danger of them not really getting together and it doesn't even use the time travel it's like 
it's had the biggest thing about it, but it doesn't really do anything with it. It's like, he goes to meet her, goes back in time, oh, they're not together, but then he just ends up going out with her again. It's like, time travel is never used inventively. It's just used as a way of, solve, you know, of, of, of moving forward. But it's never done in an inventive way. It's just like... Okay, this has happened. Okay, I come back in time, and that's it. And it doesn't do it inventively. It does it as a source of comedy a lot. Like he meets her, says the wrong thing, goes back in time, meets her again, says a better thing, goes back in time, meets her again. But it doesn't do it. It just repeats. It's like the same scene that's played over and over again, like really quick. It's just like, and then it does the same. Like they have sex. He does it, and he's really fumble and, and really awful. Travels back in time. He does it again, and he's much better. It does, goes back in time, and he does it, and he's a fucking animal. And then and it's just like, and it does that a lot. And it's just like, this isn't funny. That was in the trailer. Well. It's not inventive. It's not clever. But it, and it so nothing happens. They don't use time travel in any clever way. They don't use it that much. Uh, and it's just... And then it just gets really sickly, overly sentimental. And you just know the intention is, oh, it's going to be really emotional. People are going to cry. And you know what? A lot of wankers are going to cry, probably. <laughs> Undoubtedly. But it's just shit. And if you cry at it, you're not. <laughs> because it's just, it's just so badly done. Everything about it, top to bottom, it is awful. The performances aren't terrible, actually. There you go, there's one thing. But it awesome. is just... And there's a couple of moments I kind of <clears throat> chuckled to myself. There's a couple of funny bits, I suppose. But it's just so bad. Is Bill Nye, Nye playing Bill Nye? Absolutely. But I listened to an interview with him, and he said... I, when I accepted it, I said, I'm only going to play myself because I, I, we need to bring a reality to it. But that's fine. He's actually, he's, probably, he's easily the best thing, best thing about it. Yeah. I, that's the bit I looked at and thought, he's going to be the best thing about yeah, it. Yeah, but, but in that, just in that kind of, he's just a likable guy sort of thing. He's, yeah. he's not the best thing about it because his character is really interesting. Or, and it's just, it's just areas that it, it could go in. Even just while watching it, it's like there's this thing about, like he's going to have this real message of like they can travel through time how are they going to use it and then he goes right and, and his big last words were and you think okay right what, what's he going to say and it was just relive every day twice because then the first day you have all the stresses and the second day you can appreciate the little details and it's like you should have thought that through oh. not a good line is it no and I was just like oh and then there's this awful sequence of him living it once and everything goes to tit and he lives it twice and he doesn't care but it's just like hang on a minute you are changing everything that happened about that day and everybody around you like you're taking the piss out your boss and you're doing this and it's like you're changing history and it's just like it's concept of changing history is just preposterous the only thing that can change in history is the ba- is babies Right? Mm. Obviously, they can change history as in do things differently, but I'm on about, I'm on about in terms of the chaos theory as in you change one yeah. thing and things change. Yeah. The only thing they can sh- change is babies, gender, <laughs> and shit. It's like who the baby is. So he travels, so you can't travel back before you have a baby. Otherwise, you change who the baby is. So he travels yeah. back in time and the baby's different. It's a boy. But it's at the moment of when it's bo- of born. Not conception of when it's born. So it can be in you and it can be a boy, <laughs> but you can change sex and shit. It's just, it's just ridiculous. And that, so that's what it's big hook. And, and the reason it's added that, didn't think it through, is just, is because, fuck, I don't give a shit, I'm spoiling it. You ever gonna watch it, do you care? No. Like, he gets, his wife gets pregnant after he dies. And he realises, so as she's pregnant, she's already pregnant. And he's like, this is, I've got, you know, I, you know, I'm gonna go back in time and see my dad one last time. And it's just, and that's the only reason it does it. It must, it's the only reason it must do that. Hmm. So it can have a, a finality, have a sort of a, that kind of emotional, I can, I'm only going to see my dad, I can see my dad whenever I want. But, okay. I can, but I'm, because I'm having a baby, I can only see him one last time because I don't want to change my baby. 
Okay. And it seems like that's it, but it doesn't make sense. So you can still travel back in time, but it'll change your baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, you do. If you've got a baby, you get attached to it, I'm sure. And you don't want to, because he does that. He travels back and he changes one bit of history and his baby's a, a different sex. I'm sure it's a different colour as well. I thought the, the twist was that. But, but anyway, I don't think it was. Um, and then, but then, so he changed history. But then you can change it back because it didn't really show anything. He went back in time again and then he had it and it's exactly the same baby it was before. It's just like, it, so he didn't play with that idea. And I was just thinking, and they play the idea of the idea of death and re- reflecting on life. But I was like, there's so much scope there in terms of what you can do. And it's almost like, the, like I thought it'd have been a nice idea that if, if the sort of lasting thing was, don't be, don't be, nobody be sad that I'm dying because like, almost like, because he knows he's got a few weeks to live and he's like, I will just keep travelling back in time and living my life again with you guys because I love you all. And I for me, it's a, a more beautiful message, the idea that I am never going to die. I'm just going to keep going back in time and appreciating my time with you and stuff. And, and it, but I didn't do anything with it. I didn't say anything. It was, oh, it was so bad. <laughs> it was awful, honestly. Awesome. Yeah, so... Cool. Should have watched Rush. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> hate that. Well, yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But it wasn't so irritatingly bad. You know, I like a good film that is so... It's so shit, or it's so infuriating. It's kind of fun. Yeah. I got a feeling Rush could be that. No. No. <laughs> As I say, it wasn't terrible. It just it was just one of these things that just kind of, just kind of annoyed me, and it never... <coughs> It never won me over, sort of thing. It's, it's hard to say, but it, it wasn't awful. I've just seen much worse films. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <coughs> anyway, I don't know. It's not mine. But uh, yeah, not cool. one of those. Uh, should we? Interns. Should we quickly whiz, <laughs> quickly whiz through? We've been running on quite a while. Should we quickly whiz through what we've watched? Can we? Can we do it really quickly rather than having a yeah. big debate? Because I, I, yeah, I'm not going to say much about my film. I, I think the main thing I want to say about my film is is that I should have watched it years ago, is I've, for the, I've only just seen for the very first time the first Mad Max. <laughs> I've, I've seen the sequels years ago, but I've never, ever seen the first film, so I randomly put it on the other night. Um, yeah, and it was, it was good fun. Yeah, it's a good one. That's <laughs> it wasn't good. amazing, but <laughs> yeah. I, quite, I, I quite enjoyed it. It's quite sort of sparse. And We're going to do the remake. Down. Um, we'll see. It's the same director as the original, which is interesting, but... Um, yeah, we'll see. Because the, the original's quite, as I say, quite sparse and quite... Uh, Head down sort of thing. It's uh, yeah. It's a lot, a lot of sort of harsher and a lot, a lot more. Um, yeah. But it was cool. I quite enjoyed it. It wasn't. I didn't think it was amazing, but um, but I quite enjoyed it. I watched. Uh, I watched the first. There's both Despicable Me actually because I've heard a lot of good things about Despicable Me too, and I thought I'm going to go back and watch Despicable Me. It was available. I downloaded it and. I really actually I was really surprised how much I enjoyed it I hated it I, no I remember <laughs> I remember you I remember you hating it but I, I I did genuinely I laughed at it I thought it was an entertaining little animation I I I, gen, I was surprised <coughs> how much I kind of went for it actually I, I was uh, yeah pleasantly surprised and quite looking forward to watching don't you think Russell Brand is oh, the worst oh, vocal performance in any animation it, it's history. terrible but yeah, he is bad. Oh, he's, yeah. His voice is really bad. He should be loud in anything. He just, no. yeah, it doesn't really, it doesn't just doesn't sound like him. And I didn't particularly like that character, but um, he's not in it too much, thankfully. But I like the minions. And it's Do you know, nice there's nothing that's annoying about the minions. I mean, I, I hated the film, but I will say this about the minions because everyone's like, oh, the minions are fucking great, the minions are brilliant, the minions are great, and I'm sure they are. But they are an absolute rip off of the rabbits from Rayman. 
They <laughs> sound exactly the same. They, look they move the same. They look the sort of similar. They, they. I bet can Ubisoft are furious because they they are the minions. They, the rabbits and the minions are the same characters, <laughs> and the rabbits are great. Mm-hmm. So when I was watching the Jiggle Me, I was just like. It's just the fucking rabbits. They are just the raving rabbits. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. They are an assassin. I wonder how similar they are. Yeah. Yeah. No, I no. think they're pretty much identical. Same voices, the same same, same mannerisms. The do, you know what I mean? That kind of insane. They're kind of they not both be great. Yeah, but, it, but what, what, it's just a lack of originality. It's just that kind of. They've yeah, stolen, yeah, stolen this and put it in. <clears throat> and, and everyone. No one cares because no one knows the rabbits yeah. that much. And if I didn't. Yeah. I, if I'd have known it and they had been seen that, I'd have probably had the same imitation. Yeah, but, but I didn't, so I just went into Because they're, they're great, they're great characters, they're yeah. And they're meant to be even character. better in the second one. Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, um, <coughs> yeah pleasantly surprised. We'll see, yeah. So I'm interested to see the second one, because it is meant to be amazing. Yeah, it's supposed it? to be a, we'll a lot better. Um, I'll, I'll be very quick again. Similar to, to you guys, that the, the films I'm going to watch, I will um, talk about are ones that I should have seen maybe years ago, but never have, and they're the about films, but only the first two. Um, so that's um, Rinch and Linklater's films with Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke, um, about before sunrise and before sunset, and they've just released the third one before midnight. The concept is great. Um, so basically, they've been following these characters every ten years, and they make a film every ten years, and it's like where their relationship is. Yeah. It's a good concept. Yeah. So they've done it for the past 20 years. So the first one was in the early 90s, they did one early 2000, and they've just done the new one 2013. Who knows more, uh, what they'll do. And so the first one, I watched the first one before sunrise, and sort of general concept is these two people, they meet on a train, don't fall in love, but they sort of like, and it's just, yeah. they spend a day together. So each one is sort of not real time. The second one is seems real time, actually, but the first one's like spread over a night, and it's about their night together, getting to know each other, wandering around Vienna, and... And it's just they just chat about life. They chat about their philosophies in life. They chat. It's just all it is, just talking all the way through. Um, the first one, I thought it was good. I like it. It's very sweet. Julie Delp is brilliant. She's really adorable, really loving. Ethan Hawke's really fucking irritating. So it's a bit annoying. Cause I, it's, it's the kind of film you want them to get together. You know, that's the kind of point is you want them to be in love. And and you know, it's, it's, it's all right. But I, if it was a bit more likable. It would be it would work better, but I was just thinking, would she really be with him? She's really intelligent, kind of grounded young woman, and he's just a bit petulant, a bit young laddie, yeah. you know. But it's a re- it's a really yeah, I really like the film, and the second one I think is much better and makes the first one even better. It makes the first one work. It's, yeah. like, it's like ten years is a long time to make it work. I mean, it works anyway, but it makes. It, were they do you, were they written as well? Oh no, 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 no. 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 Okay, so it was never planned. They're right. quite improvised, and I know they all work together, like the three of them sort of create okay. together. Um, and so then it's ten years later. I mean, I won't tell you the story. It's not, obviously, not much happens, but something happens at the end of the first one, you don't know what's going to happen. And then at the beginning of the next one, you wonder what did what happen. Happens. And it's yeah. kind of explains it, and it's kind of nicely played out, it's nicely revealed. So I won't say anything about that, but it's, it's, a, it's a great film, it's exactly the same concept. Them two just chatting. And this one, I'm pretty sure, is almost real time. So it's the length of the film. Um, so it's quite interesting um, for that. Um, but yeah, I and mean, it's good. And, and the reason it makes it better is because he's both of them are quite. They have conversations about death and philosophy and religion. So it's all those kind of conversations you have in your early twenties. And, and now you think, mm, okay, fair enough. You know, <laughs> we've all, you know. But so, so the fact that they're both aged and him in particular. It kind of, he kind of accepts that they were quite young and he was quite irritating in that way because he's just kind of young and laddie. But now you've seen him grow, it kind of, it, 
it fulfills the experience a little bit more if that makes sense so it's, and, it's really, and I'm fucking desperate to see the next one now um, considering how this ended and stuff like that it was just you know it's just a bizarre concept cheap little film yeah, that's been I, I, um, before midnight it's been released yeah that's yeah, yeah. gone yeah because so yeah, because I, I I was going to do what you did and watch watch those two before the first one before the third one came out, and I watched the first one. As I say, I liked it, but it wasn't blown away, so I didn't rush to watch the second one. But from your description, it makes me want to um, stick yeah, that on because I, I haven't watched yeah. the second one yet. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool. and she is great. She is yeah. absolutely adorable. Although what was funny, Laura won't be impressed. I've got I don't know why I'm saying it is because um, obviously the second one set <laughs> the uh, first one set in Vienna, yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Um, <laughs> she said, "Where is Vienna? Uh, is it in Prague?" <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! She will not be. Here. She won't listen. But oh, anyway, wow. I was just like, "You'll find out." She listens. Yeah. We'll take the piss next week. <laughs> that is brilliant. That was brilliant. Cool. Um, cool. Well, uh, better start wrapping things up. I'm going to quickly look at what's out during the next fortnight. This usually probably won't be as quick as it should be. Twenty uh, seventh of September. So that's tomorrow. Uh, we got Pris- prisoners, which I'm I'd quite I'm quite looking forward to. That's supposed to be quite good. Blue Jasmine, Woody Allen's Yay. latest. That's also supposed to be quite, supposed to be quite good. Amazing review. Runner yeah. Runner, which has got a shit title. That's the one with the, it's got like Ben Affleck in or something. Yeah. I don't know much about it. I've seen I've saw the trailer for that. The cinema actually it looks yeah. a bit cheesy thriller. Yeah. Um, Austin Land, <laughs> a woman travels to a Jane Austen theme park to find the perfect man. Shoot <laughs> Uh, Filth is out in Scotland it comes out in England the week after uh, which I mean I'm intrigued by I don't know mm. we'll see uh, Girl Most Likely it's shit there's the re-release of The Wicker Man which is the final cut or it's called there. they've added some of the old footage in um, to try and make the ultimate sort of version of it uh, it might be interesting but uh, yeah uh, and then the 4th of October we've got Thanks for Sharing which is sort of romantic comedy with Matt Ruffalo Tim Robbins and Gwyneth Paltrow Decent cast, but I don't know much about it. There's the Metallica documentary Through the Never, uh, Getaway, uh, which is a car chase movie with Ethan Hawke in it, randomly. Isn't that, isn't that a remake? Is that a film of the game, The Getaway? I'm not sure, actually. I, only, I hadn't really heard of it until I looked at what was coming out, to be honest. And it looks like my yeah. kind of film. Yeah. Uh, it might, it might be. Um, there's How I Live Now, which, again, isn't one I didn't know about, but it's actually Kevin McDonald's latest film, the guy who did... Um, yeah, it's like sort of like a Hunger Game. I've seen the yeah, it, it looks interesting. Cool. It's got that... Um, it's Sasha Ronan. It's always weird listening to her with her Irish accent because she plays English or American and everything. Sasha Ronan, yeah. And it's sort of like Hunger Games. It's basically at the yeah. end of the world happens and they've got to like roam around this sort of like. Yeah, she goes on holiday. Yeah, she she goes on holiday in the English countryside and finds herself hiding and fighting for survival as third world war breaks out. Content line, cool. Uh, got Sunshine on Leith coming out, which is oh, Dexter Fletcher's musical God. thing. It's a bit cheesy. Uh, yeah, and the other ones aren't that exciting. Have you seen the trailer for that? I haven't, no. Sunshine on Leith. Leith, no. Oh my God, it's, the pro- it's a Proclaimers musical. Yeah. So it's like these guys come back from, from the army and and all the songs, it's a musical and all the songs in the Proclaimers songs. Or oh, they did. <laughs> God. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. But yeah. yeah. So not a lot, really, to go particularly next. Well, there's quite a, quite a lot out tomorrow, but then the week after is a bit. Mm. So what yeah. should what should we see? Uh, Blue Jasmine oh. and Prisoners, I think, both Blue sound Jasmine. like they were definitely worth a watch. Um, yeah, cool. Site news. Um, I mean, it's been four months. Uh, the one thing I would say is we've had some new writers. I say new writers; they've been with us probably since f- the last podcast. But just just not long after the last podcast, we we got a couple of new writers in. We've got uh, Grant Powell, Jason Cooper, and Jay Cluett. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I hope that's right. Um, yeah, so those guys have been helping us out, uh, putting some reviews up there, which is cool. Um, 
Yeah, I've also finally resurrected the poll. There's a poll up there for people's favourite horror sequels randomly, because Insidious 2 came out as like... I'm bad at coming up with ideas. But yeah, that's still going on for till Monday, I think. So if you want to vote for your favourite horror sequel, have a look. Cool. Uh, and as ever, yeah, I mean, the website, blueprintreview.co.uk. Follow us at Facebook. Does Aliens class as a horror sequel? I, I took it off. I almost did. I stole most of the list off another website, which had it Oh, the truth comes <laughs> out. But I don't know. Alien. The problem with... Uh, the problem with, yeah, alien, alien is horror, but Aliens isn't really. So I kind of took it off because it's more action film, really. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, but you can put your thoughts in the comment section if you dis- disagree. Um, disagree but yeah obviously follow us on Facebook facebook.com slash BP review uh, you can follow us at Twitter at blueprint rev and yeah C- keep following keep listening and all that shit thank you and good night <laughs> good night good ending Thank you for that intro, Mr. Samuel L. Jackson. My name is Brad, and I am the host of the Picking Brains podcast, where you will find interviews with the most unique minds of the horror genre. So go to picking-brains.com and check the podcast out. And I have to be going now because here are some zombies. Zombies.